Blog Talk Radio. This is the Roman Show for the week of May 22nd, 2017. This week we welcome Pindall from the Barbed Wire Dogs who talks about their latest album, which is scheduled to be released in June. This plus much more on the Roman Show. Step down to the get down. All right, whenever you're ready. ready. Five seconds to the open. Aquarius, watch that little gimbal. We don't want you coming off in the bank. Booster, go. Retro, go. Vital, go. Fly. Guidance, Surgeon, go. The Roman Show with your host, Rodolfo Roman. Hey everyone, Rodolfo Roman, your host here of The Roman Show. It's another episode joined by the dashing one, George Alonzo. What's going on, George? Nothing, man, nothing. Uh, just here uh, enjoying my martini, my jello martini. It's delicious and it's fruity. So it's, it's nice one. Hold on, let me take a sip. Perfect. You had to just top it off by saying fruity at the end. Listen, not in that way. Don't don't be smart, okay? Is the fact is I meant it as a jello, okay? Get it right. No, go on. Well, <laughs> this is the another episode of the Roman Show. Make sure to follow us on uh, on our social media account at the Roman Show. Visit our website, theromanshow.com, and visit our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash roman one, where you can see several interviews, whether it be in uh, in rock. Pro wrestling, MMA, or anything else as far as entertainment. So check that out. TheRomanShow.com or our YouTube channel. Subscribe. That's YouTube.com forward slash AllRoman01. Well, quick plug here. PFL, Premier Fight League, returns with PFL 11, June 3rd, 7245 Northwest 25th Street in Miami, Florida. Actually, they're out Florida. At 5 p.m. So get your tickets right now and watch some great amateur mixed martial arts. That's June 3rd. 7245 Northwest 25th Street. Don't miss it. I myself will be out there uh, announcing that show. 7245 Northwest 25th Street. June 3rd, PFL returns with another action-packed card featuring some of the top amateur MMA fighters in South Florida. Titan FC was very successful. Um, It aired on UFC Fight Pass across the world and uh, debuted in Pembroke City, uh, Pembroke Pines, this past weekend, and it will return August 18th. So mark it in your calendar. Mark August 18th, Titan FC 45. We don't have any information as to who will be part of that fight card, but I can attest that there will be some action-packed action. I can get rest assured about that. Okay, let's talk some pro wrestling in reality check. And now. It's time to give you a reality check. Reality check. George, Jinder Mahal is the new WWE champion. Not in a million years that the people uh, or the WWE universe or fans in general would ever imagine that Jinder Mahal 
will become a champion again. This is a guy that returned to WWE last year out of nowhere. This is a guy who used to be part of a is it a 3MB? If he really looked at him, he was he was a bum. He was he, he was a jobber. And now, flash forward to 2017, he defeats Randy Orton and has become the new WWE champion in Chicago, Illinois. I mean, that's pretty amazing stuff. And mind you, you saw the shocked faces on that feed. Uh, by the way, if, if for those listening right now, I highly suggest you go listen to the Indian or the India feed. The, the commentary is just amazing. India number one. India number one. That, that was just hilarious. But anyway, off that topic, uh, the, the fact of the matter is this. If you told me when Jinder Mahal first ran in the WWE that he would be the WWE champion a couple years later, I would tell you, nah, probably Intercontinental champion at most. Or United States champion first. Uh, but heavyweight champion? Nah. He has the talent. He has the mic skills, don't get me wrong, but I never saw him as that world title material because we never were established to him that way. All of a sudden, they finally said, we're going to give a try. We're going to give you the ball, Jinder. Take it and run with it. And boy, did he ever run with it. And I was surprised because it came on his first chance. You know, it didn't even be one of those situations of, Hey, no, you're going to lose this first match. We're going to build the feud a little longer, and then you're going to win it at the end. No, it was his first shot, and he won. So I have to say con- huge congratulations to Jinder Mahal. He proved me wrong. He proved the WWE Universe obviously wrong with all those shock faces. And it's good to see a new face as a champion. Yeah, and he's definitely getting a lot of support, of course, from the uh, the fans in India, uh, which is one of the reasons why WWE also pushed him, because of the fans increasing uh, in that part of the world. And it's definitely working towards their benefit. And you're right, I, did, well, I, I didn't get to see the feed, but I did see the interview pr- afterwards where the Indian commentators are, are interviewing him and um, his two buddies there on the side. And it's pretty quite cool. Well, I, I'm talking about the feed during when he won the title because the commentary is just hilarious. It's actually been sh- been sharing all over social media today. It's I couldn't stop laughing of them saying number one, number one, and in their <laughs> in their big accent, and it, it to me it was great, and I'm very proud of that culture, of that nationality, of that country, because they're happy that they have someone representing them in such a major organization, uh, some uh, an organization that pretty much represents the world. So basically, I'm very proud of them. They they deserve this happiness. So, but it was just funny. Well, I think that he would probably be the only Indian to win a championship title of that caliber. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I don't want to say yes. I don't want to say no. But the fact is this, you know, Jinder Mahal shocked a lot of people last night, including myself. Uh, He shocked a lot of uh, doubters. He shocked a lot of people saying that it wasn't going to happen. He shocked everything. And uh, basically, I'm just saying... Congratulations. He, he he turned a lot of faces. And I'm really wondering where it's going to go from here with this feud with Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal. Yeah, where do you think they're going to who do, Who will they pair him up? I would assume perhaps another match with Randy Orton at an upcoming pay-per-view. But what next after that? How long do you give Jinder Mahal that title? How long does he run the ball, uh, the ball uh, uh, run the court 
with that that title around his waist. Well, the thing is, is this: it, it confuses me a lot. And again, I don't work in WWE, but apparently there's rumors stating that you know Rusev is going to get a shot at Money in the Bank. Um, if this were to be true, uh, then what do you do there? It'll be heel versus heel. So it's like, where does it go? Is the Randy Orton feud done already? Or is it going to happen tonight? Or maybe at Money in the Bank, are we going to see a three-way feud? Or is Rusev going to just go into Money in the Bank? I don't know. All I got to say is this. like, I find it very entertaining that Randy is working with a new face. It's something different. And finally, like, and, and here's one thing, and I'm going to open up about this. Fans should stop whining and complaining about, oh, so-and-so won the title. Haven't you been crying about a new face holding that title? And finally, when WWE gives you, you a new face, then you start whining again? Be happy. It's a new face. Actually, um, the great Kali won the World Heavyweight Championship back in 27, uh, 2007. So he was the other Indian to do so. Well, Great Kali held that title for, I think it was about a month or two or three. But uh, basically, yeah, he might he might have not, Jinder Mahal might not have been the first. But technically, Kali was the way that Jinder Mahal was introduced to the WWE Universe in the first place. Because if I'm correct, they introduced Jinder as Kali's, I think it was uh, like brother-in-law or stepbrother or something. And then from there, it was never taken serious. And then we saw the 3MB thing and, and so on and so forth. Well, one thing I've noticed is they really are, are, are leading to diversity. For example, Nakamura, they're giving him a big push, perhaps even making him the next John Cena. Mm -hmm. You can't remember, I can't remember the last time or even ever that they use a, a foreigner, someone from another country that's not from the United States, and they've pushed him that much to become the guy as as much as they're doing Nakamura. He's on the on the he's a face of pay per views. They didn't even do that for CM Punk at WrestleMania. Well you have to remember, yes, there is huge diversity now with the WWE. Like you said, Jinder Mahal, Indian champion, Nakamura being pushed as the next John Cena, the UK division, like the it goes on and on and on and even they they've been having like tryouts in Japan, Germany, India you know, it, it it goes on and on. It just shows you, hey, these guys are not just looking for American wrestlers anymore. Uh, they're looking for all over the world in Mexico, India, Japan, China, you know. And, and this, so really, this is very good when it comes to diversity, but it's also very going to be a very big challenge for those people who think, hey, I'm the only wrestler or they're going to keep my eye on me. Guys... To, to be honest with you, this is a wake-up call, and I have to say, you thought you were doing your A-game, bring it up a little bit more, because now you're just not going up against your current United States, let's, uh, hypothetically, you're not just going against all your people in the United States, now you're competing your talent with everyone around the world, so WWE is no longer just looking at the United States, they're looking all over the world, so if you want to make it, Bring your A++ game. Absolutely, and those guys are hungry. Okay, well, the Hardy Boys, or the Hardys, or the Broken Hardys, whatever you want to go by, they're really pushing for the Young Bucks to come into the WWE. We've seen the Young Bucks a long, long time ago. 
but they really, really want Vince McMahon to bring him on board to the WWE. But see, one thing with me and you and I have had the discussion is that I don't think the Young Bucks will have as much success in the WWE as right now they're having out with New Japan Pro Wrestling and in the Indies. I think, and it's not that they're talented, they're very talented. I just think that when you put them in a WWE, they're not going to be able to perform at the level that they are in the Indies because of that, that lack of freedom. Well, here's the thing. It depends on how you introduce them to the WWE, in my opinion. If you bring them and start on an automatic program with the Hardys, you will get them automatically put over because those two work magic with each other, the Hardys and the Young Bucks. Now, in general, do, you, do I think that the Hardys will make it in the WWE? I think so. They, I think they can. I think they've set the tone that they could survive anywhere, whether it be in the Indies, Japan, uh, England, anywhere. I feel like they've established themselves that good. Now, you know how they always say, you can never prove yourself the best until you work for the WWE. I don't know how true that is, because at the same time, when you and I have discussed this before when it comes to Japan, sometimes it doesn't need to be the WWE to say, hey, I'm the best. Sometimes it's Japan that makes you the best. So, And that has happened in the sport of MMA, where sometimes these fighters, you know, they, they're good, you know, in the United States, but then they take their, you know, they go to Pride FC over at, you know, Japan or what have you, and all of a sudden they come back to the United States, and you're like, ah, it's going to be the same guy. And all of a sudden they come back like, oh, my God, is that the same guy? <laughs> so Well, that happened to Jinder Mahal. He said he went on Booker T's podcast and said, that at the time when he was in the WWE, and then he was let go, he made himself, or he reinvented himself in the Indies. And he credits that to where he is right now. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Sometimes it doesn't need to be the WWE to say, hey, I'm the best in the world. To be honest with you, I feel like the best in the world is in Japan. That's just my opinion. Don't hate me for it. I just feel like the best in the world are in Japan, because, or at least that's where they go to to um, sharpen their skills before they move on to the next level. So basically, in my opinion, the Young Bucks can make it in the WWE. Just time will tell if they ever do make it eventually. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm just still not. not I'm not convinced. You know, they're not gonna have no super kick party and you know kick the people 23, 23 million times uh, on TV. I, I just I just think that the, the the creativity or the freedom of them allowing to be who they are just won't be there. They won't have those shoot promos that they have with Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega talking about previous matches and, 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 and shooting on people. You, you can't do that, and I think that's what sets them apart because they won't have that freedom in the WWE. The thing about that, Mr. Roman, is that uh, when it comes to that kind of team, like the Young Bucks, I feel like flexibility is necessary to work with such a team. You know, uh, I know WWE would probably like to establish them like a WWE superstar. That way they could own something about them. But when it comes to the Young Bucks, and for the fans' point of view, you have to let them also be them. So, you look at the Hardys, for instance. The Hardys, were, yes, they were the broken Hardys. But 
now they're back in the WWE, and Matt still shows his broken brilliance. You know, he doesn't tease it, but that's still him. And but at the same time, they're letting the WWE get what they have, and that's the Hardy Boys. See what I'm talking about? They're establishing themselves as themselves, but also giving the WWE what they want. So that's what they need to do with the Young Bucks. Absolutely. Well, George, you know, last week the rock and, and music world suffered a huge loss with the death of Chris Cornell, who uh, unfortunately took his life away. But this is a guy that was part of such successful bands such as Audio Slave, Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog, and he, had, he also had a very successful solo career. We remember Soundgarden with Black Hole Sun, Spoon Man, several of the other hits. Also with Audio Slave, Like a Stone, Coach Heist. I mean, so many hits. This guy was just amazing, both lyrically, uh, lyrically and by far one of the top 10 vocalists in rock. And I had the opportunity, thankfully, to see him twice perform most recently at Fort Rock when he performed with uh, Soundgarden last month in April. So really, really lucky to do so. But we had an opportunity to speak to Pindall from the Barbed Wire Dolls, which the band will be releasing a new album in June. And he shared his story about what the loss of Chris Cornell meant to him and the band. Chris Cornell, thank you very much for the memories, and your life will continue through your music. All right, guys, it's a pleasure to have you all the way from London, Pindaw of the Barbed Wire Dogs. They will be on tour here in the United States, part of the Vans Warp Tour. They'll be coming to West Palm Beach, Florida in July to get tickets right now. They are on sale, and their new album will be dropping in July. Make sure you go ahead and order that online as we speak, as it will be available in just a short time. Well, Pin, thanks so much for taking some time and speaking to us. Thanks very much. All of you all the way here in London from USA. So, uh, time difference, but it's all good. Rock and roll. I'm here. Yes, sir. Well, well, Pin, first, before we get started about uh, your music, which is absolutely awesome and great, Chris Cornell passed away this week. Uh, we heard the news. Everyone has been shocked. Uh, a legend. What are your thoughts on him, uh, on, uh, on this passing? Yeah. And what are some of the memories you have of Chris Cornell? Well, um, I remember I was in Columbus, Ohio, doing a show, and I happened to go to this place called Stash. It's a small little dingy bar. It must have been uh, late 80s. I don't remember when, but I went and saw Soundgarden for their Louder Than Love album because mm. um, I, I, I heard that this guy, this band was like like a heavy Zeppelin, mm. and I'm a huge Zeppelin fan. So I went and saw them, and I was blown away by the band, and I was blown away by Chris Cornell's singing and it was like a new Robert Plant for punk rock somehow, you know, and um, I really like, you know, a lot of the music he did. I mean, the, the stuff he wrote was just out of this world from, you know, fell on Black Days and everything, and I'm really shocked. The whole band was shocked because it seems like, uh, yeah, he took too much of these pills for anxiety and it fucked up his brain, and he actually yeah. had suicidal thoughts, but I don't know if he would have done it if he wasn't on such heavy drugs. So it's really shame the world lost a great Great, great singer, great writer. Yeah, you know, a lot of bands have been have been playing tribute. Uh, we saw Corey Taylor of Stone Sour had one. Uh, Megadeth all the way in Japan paid one. Have you guys done anything on the road or plan to? Yeah, we're, 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 we're,
Well, we we, uh, we we have a song called If I Fall that's coming out on a new album that's about suicide, about a friend of mine that attempted suicide, um, but luckily didn't die. Uh, long story short, but um, and so we dedicated that song. Had some silence before the show, before the song for Chris last night uh, when we when we heard the news. And um, you know we're not we're not able to play a Soundgarden song. They're a little too difficult for yeah. us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. But but it's not, it's not easy music. What is it? You know, it's sad. But when you think of the '90s, and I know you got that punk rock in in, in your in your music, uh, and a little a little of the '90s rock in there, the grunge and that type of style. But you know, when you look back, some of these great singers from the '90s, the Kurt Cobain's, uh, now uh, Cornell. It, it's pretty sad to know that some of these great guys with these voices that we don't hear that often nowadays are are not with us anymore. Well, really, there was, you know, really four great singers from the grunge era. Let's mm-hmm. take a really great. That was Kurt Cobain, yep. Eddie Vedder, mm-hmm. Chris Cornell, and Nate Staley from um, Alice in Chains. Mm-hmm. All three of them are gone. The only person left is Eddie Vedder. And, you know, and the Pearl Jam is still playing and doing yeah. great. But it's like three of the four are gone. So it's a quite, a, quite a shock to the, the music that really built alternative rock and help you know, punk rock actually have a life after that too into the world right now the music is all based on soft keyboards and melody distortion and it's really sad that uh, we don't have any fans out there that are really making waves that are new that are loud and rock and roll um, we're, we're doing our best to, to, to bust into that world and to give some people some rock and roll because it's kind of sad times musically too do you think we'll ever get a guy Kind of like the Contrells, like the uh, the Cobains, or the or the any of these guys with that type of voice. Because one thing about Chris Cornell, in my opinion, is no matter how how loud and heavy the music was, he can just walk around and he did his movement, his action with his voice, and that was so special about Chris Cornell. Yeah, I mean, I remember people talking about how you know they were voted the best rock singer in the year, some magazine. I remember back then, and he's definitely got a great voice. Know, he had a great voice but it's not just a great voice because I, I personally like Kurt Cobain's voice um, a lot because you know he might not be able to sing like Chris Cornell but he had so much passion and you know empathy coming out of his you know voice you know and um, you know it takes a great singer to, 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 to connect to the music and emotion too and it's all usually so yeah Chris Chris had it I mean uh, that's what happens, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, of course. Rock and roll goes in this, you know, goes in and out. It's really bummer, but it happens. Yeah. Well, let's talk some um, some happy things now. Rub my mind drops June 16, uh, the latest record for Barbed Wire Dolls. The first angle, the first uh, single is already out. Uh, back in the USSA, you could actually listen to it right now on any of the the outlets such as a Spotify. So, what can we expect from this record, Rub My Mind? Well, it's going to be nothing like we've done before. We keep uh, evolving naturally, not not on purpose, but um, our first album, Slit, we did with Steve Albini in two days. Wow. And it was uh, all analog. Next, you know, two days, it was, it was um, very harsh, you know, you know, screw you type of band, mm-hmm. type of album, you know, based on the crisis that hit us in Greece, because we're from Greece. Mm-hmm. And um, the people we were around that were really, you know, getting affected by it and we hadn't been back home in two and a half years you know we literally got stuck in America because of money and we 
Steve, you know, really likes the band, so he gave us a shot. He had two days free, so we went and recorded. The next album, Desperate, we evolved. We added a bass player. We had no bass And uh, we added some stuff. And, you know, we were still, you know, pissed off at the same point. By playing 100, 200, 300 shows, we got a little better musically, so we started writing a little different type of music and added some harmonies and backups of second guitars and added a second guitarist. This new album is pretty amazing because uh, we met uh, the Eagles of Death Metal at Riot Fest we played there. And Dave Catching, the guitarist, owns a studio called Rancho de la Luna in the Joshua P. Desert that all the previous Stone Age albums were recorded there. You know, all the Kaya, Iggy uh, Pop just did his album there. Arctic Monkeys, Foo Fighters, PJ Harvey. And he invited us to come there we did it in two days again. We did another album in two days. Um, and it's so different than the last two albums. I mean, it's, it's nothing like... I, I would never have expected it, but we were moved by what happened in Paris. So we wrote a lot of songs about that. We had friends that had some troubles. And um, it's a very different album. I, I, I can't even uh, tell you. I mean, there's, there's a seven-minute jam on it that we wow. just wrote in the studio, which we never did before ever, you know. Ever, I mean, we're not a jam band, but somehow that song came out. Uh, yeah, it's a very passionate record. I mean, uh, I think it's, it's going to be a really great album to, for people to listen to. You know, it's not just good to see live, but it's a good album. It's a really good album. I'm really proud of it. So, so we got a, just a taste of it with "Back into USSA." Why did you guys decide to uh, drop that album, that single first? What did you say? Why we dropped that song? Yeah, first? yeah, yeah. Why was the the reasoning behind dropping that single first compared to the well, rest? Yeah, mainly mainly because the it was written and uh, it was kind of like introducing a new band to the stage. It's kind of the lyrics, introducing a new face. Um, it's kind of like a new direction for the band. The band, this album is very different. It's a very new direction, and so it kind of uh, lyrically it was it was inspired by all the stuff that's happened with Trump. And Putin and the Cold War, it's like mm. we're like we're going back into the Cold War. Sure. You know, female rights are stand, you know female rights are an issue right now. You know, we have three females in the band. Mm -hmm. They're very you know passionate about uh, you know having power, and um, the fact that you know it's what is this? I mean, it's all these decades later, and we're right back to you know the Cold War. It's like what's going on with Trump and Putin? So it's a very um, political, politically charged single, as they say. Um, it's very relevant today. It's, it's something that, you know, you know, Stephen Colbert on his talk show will probably play <laughs> that song and say, what the fuck, this is the anti-anthem of, of 2017. <laughs> uh, punk rock's got to have a voice. You know, you got to have a voice. No one's talking about it, but, but we're going to do it as much as we can. Yeah, you de just listening to your music takes me back to those, day those days of punk rock, and you guys are, are, are most definitely doing it. But, you know, just knowing the fact that the, the great legendary late Lemmy from Motorhead uh, brought you into the Motorhead Records. I mean, that right there uh, is just amazing. How, how was that first experience? Take me back to when that happened. Well, it goes back to 2015. I mean, 2010 when we first mm -hmm. arrived in LA from Greece. We uh, we arrived in LA the first night, and we met Rodney Bigenheim, the big DJ from K Rock, and um, and. Uh, and uh, we went to dinner with him, 
And uh, he told us to go to the Sunset Strip and see the Whiskey to Go Go because it's the most famous club in the world mm-hmm. that's left standing. CBGB's was closed. Sure. So we were there, we were walking around, and there we run into Lemmy, who was going into a club. And we started talking to him, and he started talking about punk rock and the dance and Sid Vicious and Sex Pistols. And, and uh, then he started, you know, always we kept running into him and hanging out with him. And he was so cool, he would get our demos, he'd get our albums. And, uh, then in 2015, he decided he wanted to sign some bands to start his record label Motorhead Music for other bands. And they looked at like 64 bands. And he happened to walk into the Whiskey Go that we were playing in 2015 and said, that's the band I want. You know, I didn't know, you know, they were that good. I guess, you know, and he told his manager and told his record label, sign them. So he just took us under his wing and said, you know, the first thing he said is, you know, don't change don't do anything don't change anything just be yourself and you know rock and roll and so it was, it was a huge honor as you can imagine to have Lemmy to have Lemmy uh, call you and you know I mean see you and tell you that you know he, he approves of you I mean if Lemmy approves of you I mean what can yeah. be better there's no one else in the world I can say that about I mean he's the number one person that I would say that to him. so it was the biggest honor very sad loss he passed away but um Absolutely, that must that that must have been just amazing to get that phone call. All right. Aside also from you being uh, involved with, with uh, barbed wire dolls, you're a professional uh, surfer and skateboarder. Do you still practice? Do you, do you have enough time when you're out there in the road to at least skateboard? Or or if you're in uh, now, you guys are becoming to Florida soon. We got we got some beach out here. Will you be hitting the waves? Uh, actually. Last time we were in Florida, we went to Mayport Poles near Jacksonville there. Okay. And we surfed there. We also went to Kona Skate Park uh-huh. in Jacksonville. Um, yeah, we get a little bit here and there, but we rarely have a day off. So uh, we don't carry surfboards with us on tour, but sometimes surfers, we have a day off. They'll, they'll help us out. They'll meet us. Uh, we all kind of surf a little, but um, yeah, I mean, there's not much time, but our day's off. We're either surfing or skating every day. That's that's pretty much our go-to thing too. Um, that's our pretty much go-to thing. I mean, that's why we like being based in California a lot because we can surf and skate every day. I go to the Venice and skate the dog pool there every time. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, I mean, I got inspired by the dog and Z boys who got inspired by the you know Ramones and all those other bands, mm-hmm. and it's it's all part of the it's all part of the you know that world you know it's, um, it's, it's, it's it's nothing cooler than <coughs> sure <coughs> playing a rock and roll band and serving skating you know uh-huh. <coughs> excuse me I'm uh, probably just okay. London fog gears coming in that's alright so the Vans Warped Tour you guys are going to be part of the uh, tour coming up here in the States uh, what can we expect from the band what type of performances and what type of are we going to hear a lot of the new songs from this uh, record <laughs> part of the uh the performances. Yeah, we're gonna play. Um, <coughs> excuse me, I don't know what I'm talking. Okay. We're gonna play a lot of the new songs from the album. Uh, right now, we're actually just started playing the tour here in Europe. We're playing seven songs live on the album in our set, so we're playing a lot of songs. And um, I think you can expect the crowds to go just crazy. I mean, I think we really haven't played for like a youth, you know, like a younger youth. Mm-hmm. Um, because most of the clubs are 21 and over, so we really haven't played too many shows to anyone that's a teenager or whatever. So 
uh, I think they're going to be really thrilled to see the band, you know, and I, our singer, you know, she's a powerhouse on stage. I mean, you don't miss her. You, know, you remember her when you see her live. So mm -hmm. I think she's going to just, she's going to convert all those people. They're just going to love the band. And, and uh, looking forward to seeing some of the other bands and hanging out with some cool people. I mean, 41 shows across America. It's going to be crazy. So uh, we're ready for it. I, I, I used to skate for I, I used to skate and surf for Vans a long time ago, so it'd be nice to hook up with Vans again. Yeah, they, I remember back then when Vans Warped Tour would have actual uh, skating rinks at the concert. I don't know if they, they don't do that anymore, but they would actually have they a don't section. Do that. Yeah, that that was yeah. that was real cool. I mean, you guys, man, you, you I, perform and then you hit out the, the go a little skateboarding right there and then. I wish they had at least a mini ramp or a half pipe or something. It would be great to skate. Yeah. Yeah, because you got, you only play for like half hours, so you have a lot of time. So I would love to skate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, Pim, thanks so very much. I know uh, London time is completely different here from Eastern time, but make sure you pick up the album in June. Rub my mind on uh, iTunes and any of the other outlets. Thanks so much, and we look forward to seeing you out here in the United States, part of the Vans War Tour, and looking forward to your new album. Rub my mind. Thanks so much, Pin. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Enjoy it. Bye-bye. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners all around the world, welcome to The Showdown. Well, George, Chris Cyborg has set on, well, has, has pretty much set uh, social media on fire, but so... Chris Cyborg, the UFC actually athletes, were in Las Vegas this past weekend for the UFC athlete retreat. This is an opportunity where they get to hear from other athletes, get some information, how to make it better. It's more of a of a more educational seminar for the fighters. And it so happens that while Chris Cyborg was there, she runs into Angela Magana, where Angela now had been kind of sparking the flames. Uh, with his beef with Chris Cyborg. She had posted some messages or some images, compared her to the, uh, the the evil character of Saw, stating who wore it best, which of course is a little pretty, uh, pretty, pretty offensive uh, on her end. So when Cyborg sees Angela, she approaches her. Now there is a video that's surfacing out there, but it's, it, you clearly see that Cyborg threw her through her hand. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we don't know who started it. We don't know if Angela went up to Chris and then everything just... Or maybe maybe Angela put her hand uh, on, on Chris. We don't know because of the angle of the video. Either way, Angela did press charges uh, for assault. According to Angela, she did not call the police. It was the UFC who called the police. And then afterwards, she pressed charges because her attorney said to her or she was advised to... to make charges uh, towards Cyborg, and she claimed that she was injured. But either way, Cyborg has now come in the defense and made a lengthy post on Facebook saying what led to all of this. And she said that she has been a victim of online bullying. And to a point, it's true. She, she does get abused. She is sometimes considered or, or called a man, uh, that she's been using uh, steroids for the, 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 the way she, she is. So in in a way, I understand. In other words, George, she just had enough. And the first person that had been putting all this stuff, and the the first person she sees is Angela. So she just lost it. No, yeah. And listen, I've never been a fan of uh, of uh, of online bullying. Okay, 
So I completely understand, you know, where basically where Cyborg is coming from. You know, Cyborg, no one is going to defend you unless you stand up for yourself. And already Magana was already throwing punches at her by doing this online bullying. It's obviously online. It's on her social media, for Christ's sake. So what is one supposed to do? Just stay quiet and pretend like it didn't happen? So I understand where, where Cyborg is coming from because she had to defend herself against bullying. You know, because no one's going to do it for you. No one's going to walk up to Magana or anyone and say, hey, stop talking bad about Cyborg. No one's going to do that unless you do it for yourself. So as far as what happened is concerned, I completely understand from Cyborg's point of view. Now, should it have, should it have become physical like that? I don't know. Sometimes, you know, sometimes things like this can be fixed over, you know, with words and and just taken care of like two professionals, but I guess it, the situation really got heated, and Cyborg had to get it, make sure it became physical. So, I, one, I guess it, it is what it is. Yeah, it just she just had enough, and in in a part of Chris Cyborg is a professional, no, but she just she just she just, she lost it. She was she was ticked off, and did it have to escalate to where it did? Absolutely not. They could have a conversation, but honestly, and when you look at that video. Chris Cyborg just goes up to her and says, hey, listen, I w- respect me. Respect me. Don't be pulling all those things out there. And she had enough. She confronted her. But that's what I'm saying because no one is going to defend you but you. Okay? You have to stand up for your own, your own fight. You have, to, you have to battle your own battles, you know? No one's going to fight for you. So, and that's what Cyborg did. But... Did it have to become physical? I don't know, because like you were saying a second ago, we could not tell what happened before uh, that whole thing got escalated because of the camera angle. You don't know if Magana put her hand on her first. No one knows, you know, and no one's going to say the truth, whether it be Cyborg or her. So it's going to be pointless asking. Now, so again, it is what it is. Now, the time will tell what's going to happen from this point on, you know, of what happens there, because it's it's a very serious situation, so. Yeah, we'll see and keep an eye on what happened with that sort of action with uh, Cyborg and Angela facing each other off of the retriever. By the way, they, they can't meet each other in octagon. The weight difference is completely uh, out of whack there. Okay, so Michael Bisping, middleweight champion, was scheduled to fight GSP, but GSP said, hey, listen, I, I, I can't do the dance until October. So Michael Bisping went on and said, okay, fine. So I'll defend my title against the, uh, the, the, the number one contender, which is Joel Romero. Then all of a sudden, Michael Bisping says, hey, listen, I'm injured. I can't fight right now. So the, the word on the street is that UFC president Dana White has told ESPN.com that the organization could crown an interim title holder this summer. So that would mean that potentially Yoel Romero will take on Robert Whitaker for the interim title. And, you know, I really hope this does happen because just like they've done with a bantamweight title where Jose Aldo and Frank Yeager had to fight for, for that, that, that interim bantamweight now, finally they're going to unify it um, this coming uh, month uh, when Max Holloway and Jose Aldo find the upcoming pay-per-view. They should do the same thing with 
the interim title for the middleweight because we don't know when Michael Bisping is going to return. And Yoel Romero, as some might say that you know there's some controversy at some of his victories, but the thing is he does deserve an opportunity. He does deserve a shot at the title. And why not make this fight between Romero and Whitaker for the interim title? I think it's only fair only then to unify later on with uh, Michael's Bisping when he's at 100%. I completely agree. Uh, again, Yoel Romero, what pro- by far one of my favorite fighters. Controversy or not, controversy sells, Roman, okay? So I'm not going to judge the guy for his controversial fights. But Yoel Romero, one of my favorite fighters to this day. And I feel, yes, that he deserves a shot. So, and, and either way, either way, Bisbing is it's not like Bisbing is losing a title. So it, you're just crowning a temporary champion. So it, it, there's no loss here. There's none at all. So I completely agree with where you're coming from with this opinion. I do hope they make this for an interim championship. And when Bisping gets better, then basically, basically whether it be uh, Romero or Whitaker faces Bisping. They merge it. End the story. It's always an easy fix. And uh, I hope it gets done. Well, I'm going to thank everyone for tuning into the Roman Show this week. We'll catch you. The following, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Please salute and thank any soldiers out there that uh, serve our country because that is what it's all about. It's not about beer and barbecue, George. It's about remembering those who have put their lives and protected our country. So thank you so much for all those soldiers that have protected uh, or provided us with the freedom that we have today as we uh, celebrate Memorial Day this Monday. Enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll catch you again the following week. Make sure to follow us on our social media account at The Roman Show, on our Instagram account, Roman Show, uh, Roman Show Media, and also our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Roman 201 Make sure you subscribe. We'll catch you next week right here on The Roman Show. You haven't been on? You haven't heard. Hello.